So let's start with why. Why risky business? Start with the why. I worked for a very large company in Asia and it was in the headlines for all of the wrong reasons. But people very rarely asked what was happening on the ground. People looked at the headlines and they made judgments on that company. And I really don't like those judgments. And I want to be able to tell the story of the companies and what they're doing in Asia and how they manage their business risks, whether they're any aspect of sustainability, it could be human rights, it could be climate change, it could be water, and tell the real story behind what those business risks are. How does it help the companies be more sustainable? I think it helps companies be more sustainable because they get to realise they're not the only ones who have these risks and that everybody is grappling with their issues and often they're complex problems. They're what called wicked problems, a problem within a problem. And it's only by talking about them and realising, oh, that company also has this problem, that we start to find some of the common solutions. Because let's face it, most of the really big complex challenges, one company can't provide the answers to that alone. If they're just chipping away at it by themselves, they won't really solve them. But there are a lot of nuances to how you do sustainable development and how you do business sustainability. And inherent in that are a lot of business risks. Risky Business Asia is about exposing what are those risks, what are some of the solutions, and what are some of the practices we see on the ground here in Asia. There does seem to be a common consensus among the chattering classes, perhaps not amongst professionals like yourself, that Asia is not as interested in sustainability as, say, Europe is. Is, is that a fair categorization or not? Sustainability takes on the cultural context of whatever country you're in. And I think that's the beauty of having worked across Asia. So no, everything isn't the same as it is in Europe. We don't have a European Union setting all of our rules and regulations. It's not the same as the United States. But it isn't to say that Asian companies don't value sustainability. I've worked for several family companies. No one values sustainability like a family company because they know that they're passing the company to the next generation and then the next generation. And that goes right back to the Brundtland Commission definition of sustainability, that you're thinking of intergenerational equity. So family businesses get that. They also get that it's their family name. I don't want this done in my family's name. They don't want negative impacts associated with their company because usually they are pillars of the community that they live in, often in their country. They will be at a country level representation for their company and their business and their country. So I disagree. Businesses in Asia do get sustainability. It just doesn't always happen to be by the exact same definition as used by rules and regulations in other countries. Fantastic. So we'll do these series of conversations with business leaders. Tell me about what kind of subject you want to cover, what, uh, what the purpose is and what, what areas are we going to go into. So one thing I find is that Asian businesses are quite reluctant to talk about the challenges publicly. And so Risky Business Asia will probably often start from the perspective of something that's already in the media. So we're already looking at a published story, we're not doing any exposés, and then talk about well, what are the risks, what are the opportunities, how could the companies have done it differently, or perhaps did they do it perfectly? And each week we'll bring in different experts to discuss these articles or these particular cases and think about what could we do better and how can we really reduce the risk of businesses in Asia when it comes to sustainability. Mm -hmm.